So how many cats do you think you need to own before you're officially a crazy cat lady? Four. That's it? Well, I guess yeah. four is a oh, lot. It's a, that's the thing. It doesn't sound like a lot. You walk into a house and there's four cats in there. That's a lot. Honestly, in some cases, three. It depends on how big your house is. Well, the crazy cat lady in this movie had a pretty big house, but she also had like 30 cats. She solidly reached the level of crazy cat lady, even for her house. Maybe it's per square feet. Yeah, I can see that. Except there's going to have to be some kind of ratio for like upstairs to downstairs. Like, where are the cats all the time? They can't all be in the same room. (laughs) No, I don't think they want to be all in the same room. So maybe it's also due to like number of cat beds and cat... Uh, like scratching posts and little towers because they need to be spread out. True. Maybe also how many litter boxes you have. Oh, that's, that's an important one. Yeah. All my life, I felt powerless. I've never stood up for myself. But then... You can come out now. It's okay. I think maybe I'm in the wrong... Everything changed. You're going to look like a cop killer. I might not be a hero, but I'm certainly not a killer. Looking back on it now, dying was the best thing that ever happened to me. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the Bad Movie Podcast. Where today we're talking about Catwoman, the 2004 Halle Berry version. And it is quite the classic. I know. For all the I, wrong reasons. Yeah, I can see why she got a Razzie for this. Yes. And why it's on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Why it has a three on IMDb, which is really hard to get. People are very generous on IMDb. Yeah. It was really boring and bad. I had to take a break halfway through. <laughs> I split it up over two days because I, I was like, I, I can't watch this anymore <laughs> right now. It was pretty boring. Like, they clearly didn't have enough plot for the movie, which is hilarious because the movie wasn't that long. How long was it? It was 100 minutes. Oh my gosh, it felt so much longer than and that. And at least five minutes of that was the opening cat montage at it's the beginning of true. the movie. It's true. So let's start there. It opens and we're already seeing great stuff. What had to be a five minute montage of historical cats. It was a long time. I kept expecting it to stop and I was like, nope, we're just in, we're in China now. Now we're in medieval England. Now we're, so they started in Egypt and we first see something about Bast. One of the cat gods. The good one. Sobek was the bad one. Or I guess she wasn't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I didn't know there was more than one. Uh, yes, there is. There's a lot of ladies <laughs> with cat heads in Egypt. Mostly two. I just named them. So, we also see Egyptian Mao. That's a type of cat. A temple cat, we find later. I didn't know mm-hmm, that. A sacred cat. And so these are going to be important, I guess. But now we're just seeing stuff about pyramids. Stuff about cat women. And cat cults. Cat cults, witches. Um, and now we start getting little, little like drawings of and paintings of women in cat masks. And like jewel thieves and stuff. Like cat burglars. Yeah. And like we're getting paintings of women who are clearly cat women throughout the ages. Yes. Oh, this one's in China. This one's in here. And I'm like, why is it, like, genetic that they all have to wear that mask? I don't understand. Then we cut to Halle Berry floating in a bunch of water. It all started on the day that I died. 
if there had been an obituary, it would have described the unremarkable life of an unremarkable woman, survived by no one. But there was no obituary, because the day that I died was also the day I started to live. So this is the same opening that we had for Max Payne. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, him floating in water, talking about his death, talking about his life. Yeah. She says she should have been an artist by now, but instead she was an ad designer for beauty creams. Which I'm just saying makes her very successful. Did you see her apartment? It was freaking huge. And she was a, an ad designer at a major company. Yeah, she acts like she was just a nobody in there, but she did a lead campaign. She was the lead person on the huge new campaign. So don't complain about your life, Miss. I have a huge apartment in Gotham, which is cannot be cheap. <laughs> so her friend is Alex Borstein, who you would probably recognize her if you saw her. For one thing, she was the harpist Drella in the first season of Gilmore Girls. Always got to bring it back there. I don't like her in almost anything that I have seen her in. She always plays like a mouthy, uh, either irreverent or sassy person who's over the top. Well, you described her exactly. Yeah. So Sally is her name. We see that she's using that cream. And she's like, how did you even get this? It's not even in the stores yet. And Sally's like, oh, and shakes her boobs. <laughs> Basically. Also, they work at the company. It's it's not like you have yeah, no connections to I this at all. I know. It was really weird. And she mentioned she's she's been having headaches. I know. I was like, oh gosh, you couldn't have been clumsier about this if you'd tried. Nope. And they clearly did not try. Yeah. I love this new cream. I've been getting headaches. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully nothing bad happens to me. <laughs> so we see George Hedare now. Cut to the big boss of the company. Um, and he's giving a presentation, I guess, to the shareholders. It's unclear what a lot of these meetings are. <laughs> the important thing is that we get to hear about their new product. Exactly. So he's saying that this cream actually, it's not, it's not, a, it doesn't reduce the signs of aging. It actually reverses aging. And I don't even know what that means. <laughs> they don't ever go into it. I don't know what that means. I guess it means it gets rid of wrinkles. No, they said it reverses aging. <laughs> like it makes you younger? Yeah, which is weird because if it reverses aging, then why do you have to keep using it? You well, that I mean? doesn't actually make sense with what how they talk about it later. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it it doesn't, and I don't know why he would say that, because this is you're saying this for the audience. So yeah. if it's not true, why did you say it? It's almost like somebody didn't think about this script a whole lot. <laughs> but I would never accuse them of that. <laughs> uh, so Sharon Stone is his wife. I'm sorry, this boss guy, I don't know who he is. He's French. Lambert Wilson, actually. That's his And the name. director is French. Okay. Well. So he probably knew him or just wanted another French guy on the side. <laughs> Fair enough. He doesn't have much of a French accent, though. No, he sounded to me more British. He, I went to school in London. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharon Stone is his wife, Laurel Hedder. And she said, she, inter she really awkwardly interrupts. This whole meeting is just shareholders watching a married couple have a fight. Yeah. It's terrible. So she interrupts him to say, and I'm stepping down as the face of the company after 15 years. It's been great, but 
my we, husband thinks, you yeah, know, like clearly it's her new, husband's fault. Right, that we should have new blood, so it's going to be this Drina model. So she's clearly not happy about it. And also, I was like, why... Why is she stepping down? Sharon Stone didn't age until like 15 years after this movie was shot. Right. She looks great. We cut to Halle Berry again. Patience Phillips is her name, which is weird because it's like a superhero thing with alliteration, but it's not alliteration because one sounds like an F. Yeah. So Halle Berry is nervous about her first lead campaign. She is standing outside George Hedare's office and hearing him yell at someone which is always a great time to go see your boss yep she comes in he's it's so awkward because only sharon stone is in there he's clearly been yelling at his wife (laughs) but she still walks in and she's like here's the thing and he's like this is terrible i specifically said i wanted dark red and she's like but but you said and he's like what i remember what i said and he's obviously just one of these guys he's not happy and he's like you're so incompetent i can't believe i thought you would do any good designs when you dress like that, which is completely fair. It, <laughs> this scene, before he even said that, I was like, what is she wearing? It looked insane. It looked like a hippie college kid who still couldn't quite dress themselves. Yeah. Because um, it's the whole, like, she's frumpy and she, her clothes don't, like, her clothes are too big for her and they're not fashionable. Because it, yeah. it's, it's so With obviously frumpy. trying to make the the transformation big. But it was weird because they didn't want her to be totally frumpy. They tried to make her an artist type. Right. So it was like artist but also frumpy, which is a weird combination to try to do. Well, and she's still clearly really pretty. I mean. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. But he's like, you need to dress better and get a manicure and all this stuff. I will say none of this is also workwear. Laurel, Sharon Stone, is kind of laughing about this to herself as she's turned around. And she's like, oh, let her let her fix it. It's fine because he, he's not going to let her. He's like, I, nope, I don't reward incompetence. You can't fix this. But was he going to fire her or was he just going to not give her anything to do with her day? Isn't that strange? Yeah. So here's the other problem. If she's not in charge of the department, then why was she in the meeting by herself? I know. Who does that? Who does presentations like that? Don't you send it to someone? Well, you would send it to the head of your department and you and the head of the department would talk about it. And then once it had been approved, you would go... You, you know, if it needed yeah, you to get approved by the boss, or, you would do that. But, like, it. probably the head of the department would be there with you so that they knew what changes were getting made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a weird meeting. Well, either way, she does get the chance to fix it by tomorrow at midnight. She He, he says, by tomorrow night. Midnight. And I was like, that's literally the end of tomorrow night. So it's like you gave her more time, not less. Right, you would expect by the end of the day, but then we yeah, can have the dramatic showdown. Exactly. I'm like, why wouldn't you have it by the end of the workday? Nope, it's not how he works. She leaves the office and we see, you know, she trips over stuff. We see that she's clumsy and timid. She's all these things. We see her trip over or like stumble like three times mm-hmm. in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. But she's stumbling out of bed in her apartment. Yes. In her pajamas because it's 4 a.m. and her neighbors are being super loud. Apparently, they just turned this music up. I don't know how she Isn't was sleeping until 4 a.m. when there was an insanely loud party going on. I know. Nobody finally says, when's the last straw now that it's 4 a.m.? 
<laughs> yeah. And it seems to happen all the time. Also, she this isn't two houses on a hill. Like, there are tons of apartments around here, and no one ever seems to call the cops on these people. That's the thing, though. Like, you don't have to confront them. And, in fact, you shouldn't. Yeah. Just call the cops. Yeah, and what I don't understand is they're both in apartment buildings. Different apartment buildings. And I'm sure there's an apartment building on the other side of them, too. How is no other neighbor bothered by this? Well, we'll go into it later, but I'm not sure that is an apartment building that they're in. It's very confusing. <laughs> but she kind of looks out across the window and she's like, uh, can you, can you turn it down a little bit? Just so, yeah, so quietly bit? you wouldn't be able to hear no her if you were could. just on her balcony. Yeah, no one could hear you. But she does look out her window and see a cat, an Egyptian Mao, sitting on a motorcycle seat. How portentous. So the next day, she wakes up and puts on the exact same thing she was wearing the day before. I noticed that. I thought it was so weird. I it, like to imagine it's her one outfit. I know. It, well, it, honestly, what it, it really makes me question, was the intent for that to be two different days when they were filming it? Or was that all supposed to be the same day? And then they just split it up because they needed more plot. <laughs> we're like, we can't think of an equally terrible outfit. Yeah. So she's just going to wear the same thing on both days. So stupid and weird. So she sees the cat again while she's painting. Then the cat... Which is what I like to do when I know I have a really tight work deadline. Instead of just going to work early to try and get it done, you know, well yep. before midnight, what I like to do is to take some time for myself. Yeah, well, don't worry, because it's not like she planned it this way, and then later on she's cutting it right down to midnight. Yeah. For what felt like really minor changes on the ad, actually. Didn't it? Took all day, though, to to make it that darker shade of red. Yeah, exactly. Well, he he didn't have a lot of specifics, because they didn't really want to go into it and couldn't be bothered to write design talk. Yeah. He was just like, and all of this other stuff, it's, it's the opposite of what I asked for. It's totally wrong. And I was like, and then she's like, I'll fix it. And I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah. He didn't tell you what he didn't like about it. You have to go back to the drawing. Like, you need a new concept. I know. The he whole just thing said is he didn't re-thought. like everything. So the cat jumps up on a really high ledge. And she's like, oh, no, cat. And she goes out on the ledge of her windowsill to get it off. She's way too concerned about getting this cat down that she doesn't this know. This is... A, why wouldn't you call the fire department? Bonkers. Like, you, no one would do this in their right mind. She's more proactive about this than getting her neighbor's party music shut off. <laughs> yes. She's, also, here's my thing. If the cat got up there, it can get down. Yes. Leave that it alone. He's the first thing you should know about cats. Yeah. Uh, so they, didn't, they weren't dropped there from the sky. <laughs> I know. They're fine. She does not know this about cats, and so she ends up standing on an on a window unit. Uh, yeah, on an AC. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Which no one in their right mind would think was a stable place that you should stand. Not if you live in a city. If you live in a city, you know that sometimes they fall out of windows. Yeah. Benjamin Bratt. Not his real name, even though that's a great superhero name. I mean, not not his movie name. His movie name is Tom something. Benjamin Bratt is yeah. a cop that pulls up and he's like, oh no, oh no, and thinks she's committing suicide. And he's like, hold on, we'll talk about this. And he's, she's like, there's a cat up here. And he's like, I know, I'm sure. And she's like, but oh no, it's not here anymore. He's like, I know, I'm sure that makes you very sad, but we'll, we'll just don't do it. So he, she shouts her apartment number because she's starting to fall off this, this window unit. He runs up there. I guess her, I guess her door was unlocked. Oh no, wait, he kicks it down. That's right. Um, 
And he grabs her right as she's falling. I was like, he must have gotten up there so freaking That's fast. That's also crazy that you could catch someone like that. Then Luckily, the, she fell at an angle. Right, exactly. And so the cat's inside her apartment. And she's like, oh, there's the cat. And he's like, oh, there really was a cat. And I was like, really? You didn't see it outside, though. Doesn't that still make you think that she might be a little crazy? But that's enough for him. Well, I'm sorry. You should think she's crazy because she went out on a ledge and then an air conditioning unit yeah, to get a cat that, she that wasn't hers. Stand on that. Yeah, I know. But that's pretty much all they have time for because she's like, oh, no, I'm late for my job. Who says it like that? When every, people say I'm late for work. That's what hu- <laughs> that's what humans say. So we're, we we cut to seeing George Hedare and Laurel Hedare speaking again. He is being a huge jerk to her. Why do they spend so much time around each other? Like, uh, she seems to imply that they never spend any time around each other. Like, why would he be home if I was home? Why would you, why would we ever eat together? All of these things. But I'm like, every time we see you, you're together. You're just alone together in offices they only see each other at work which is weird because it's implied that sharon stone's only responsibility at the company has been modeling for 15 years yeah so why is she at the office at all yeah especially when her husband hates her and she hates him slovakia won't stop calling you know scientists they're worse than models you have to cuddle them all the time like little children was a weird comment, because I was like, I feel like a lot of scientists would rather have no attention at all. Yeah, exactly. They would rather not be supervised. But cut to Patience Phillips' day. She's sitting at the office, and her gay co-worker friend, who we only see in this scene, pops his head over the cubicle <laughs> and is like, man sandwich. I really, it was too much. You already have Alex Borstein being a total weirdo. Well, you don't need two of those. Yeah. And nobody says man sandwich. Why wouldn't you say manwich? Manwich. <laughs> oh man, missed opportunity. Gay friend who never got a name. <laughs> they, probably, they probably couldn't get the rights to say manwich. That's true. And it's just like, no, thank you. We'll pass on that advertising yeah. opportunity. Let's see some dailies. Oh no, <laughs> absolutely not. So Tom the cop is showing up at uh, Patience's work now, which is insane, but she dropped her wallet. Where? In her apartment? (laughs) No, in the hallway. They they show her in the hallway. Although, I'm pretty sure he could have just taken it back to her apartment. That's super weird. Also, he broke down the door, so theoretically she couldn't actually lock it. Yeah, like, he probably had to stay there and wait for the maintenance guy to come (laughs) fix the door. Yeah, just drop the wallet back from the apartment. Yeah. But maybe maybe he thought she needed, like, lunch money or something, so he brought it down. I guess so. It is weird that he has nothing better to do for his day. It's a good thing Gotham isn't notorious for really high crime rate. So if he picked up her wallet in her hallway, shouldn't she have been very close by? I don't understand. She's too fast. This is pre-cat transformation, Rose. <laughs> She's clumsy, and we've seen it so many times. She was late for her job. <laughs> for her job. I'm late for my job. Uh, so he picks up some art that she's done and is like, oh, blah, 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 reminds me of late Chagall, blah, 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 art talk. And... You're like, oh, he knows about art. And then he's like, oh, I Googled it after I saw the art in your apartment. And I was like, when did you have time to Google it? It's creepy that you did it at all. And it's even creepier that you said it like you thought she would like that. Also, I would like to know how he Googled it. Did he recognize these paintings so he knew the names of them? Or did he just roughly describe them in Google 
And they happen to come up with the right ones. Especially because did you stop by your workplace first? This was 2004. They didn't have smartphones then. (laughs) Yeah. So now he's asking her out, uh, which is really professional, not a possible abuse of power. And you should definitely ask out someone who you just saw and maybe aren't totally sure that she wasn't crazy and a little bit suicidal. Yeah, a little mentally unstable. So she's going to go to coffee with him at some, like the next day. But cut to later that evening. She's still at work at 11.45. She calls to see if the messenger who's supposed to come take her her ad is coming. And he's not. She's like, oh, no. Uh, oh, 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 no. But I really need. Oh, I know it's not your fault. One more evidence that she's timid and doesn't stand up for herself. So she's like, well, I'll take it myself. So why do you think she has to deliver her ad mock-ups to the R&D facility. Yeah, I don't know. It's not even open. So he said by midnight, and then I guess gave her an address where the doors are locked already, which is so strange. Right, by midnight, but we're not a 24-hour facility, so... Yeah, figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. So, or just come by super early tomorrow morning, because no one will know the difference. Yeah, exactly. But so, R&D needs to look it over first. <laughs> Make sure we it's need to scientifically run it by accurate. Well, the door, front doors are locked, so she goes in through the back. As she's walking in, there's a meeting in progress with the head scientist and Sharon Stone. Uh, he's showing the side effects of the cream, and it turns out if you stop using it, it gives you monster face, and it's very addictive. Which I love that it's... I don't understand how it's addictive. I think I think they used the word addictive wrong. I think that what it is, is that if you stop using it, this happens. Which they didn't even make clear. No, no, no. Because she says, like, I can deal with people, like, needing to get their fix or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, like, it clearly and is that's... implied that you will actually go through withdrawal if you stop using this cream. And that's never addressed again? No, because her friend... Stops, stops using, using it. it and doesn't go through that. But I guess maybe she wasn't using it enough. She was just kind of dabbing it here and there. So it I wasn't don't know. addictive. Maybe so. So the headaches are just the first symptom. I would also basically. like to know why this meeting. Okay. I found this to be really confusing. At first, I thought that her husband was at this meeting. Uh huh. Because he was the one that talked about needing to meet with the scientist. I know. And then and then they, they parted. She didn't say, oh, I'll do it instead. Right. Also, I'll do it at midnight, the best time (laughs) to meet my scientists. Yeah. So she walks in and she's hearing some of this. She sees the photo and she's shocked. They can't see her yet. So she backs up, but she knocks into a bunch of chemistry wear because she's so clumsy. So the scientist says what nobody would say if they heard that during a super top secret meeting. Who's there? You don't say that. You just go and see. Right. But he doesn't. He alerts the security guy that she literally walked past in the parking lot. Well, also, it's a good thing they didn't, like, you know, close the door where they were having the meeting. Why would or you? have the meeting behind There's a place like- that requires key cards to get into. Or... Because also, why would your research facility be so open that people could just wander in and out of the labs at will? Uh, because we're supposed to have security who doesn't do anything <laughs> when people walk through the parking lot at midnight. So the security people are now chasing her through the R&D facility, which is really steampunky. There's pi- there's like steam pipes everywhere. 
And he's shooting at them, and which seems like a really stupid thing to do. Well, also, she they do something really stupid of, there's two of these guys, and they she's hidden behind some, like, she's cornered and kind of hidden behind this pipe, and one of them's like, um, just come out, you're not in trouble, we just need to talk to you. And she kind of, she comes, she's gonna come out. She starts she to. She starts to come out, and one guy shoots at her. And I'm like... She's coming out. Why wouldn't you wait until she's right in front of your face? I know. I know. And then the other guy is like, no, stop. And puts his hand down, like moves his gun arm down. Mm -hmm. And the guy who started shooting is like, don't ever do that again. And I'm like, no, you were the stupid one. (laughs) That's why she's not dead right now. Right. If you'd waited, you would have had a much better shot. Gosh. Uh, Well, she ends up climbing into a sewer line. And because there's access to the open sewers yeah. here. No, there is just like an open door. So they're talking to Sharon Stone on the phone or something. And she's like, well, just lock her in and flood the pipes. So that's what they do. She goes out to the edge of the pipe and that's when it gets flooded. She is shot out with a bunch of water into a body of water, lake, river. I don't really know. Yeah. Probably a river. (laughs) Right. So she's floating there. She's dead. She washes up on the shore. And now we see a horribly CGI Egyptian mouth. So there's like 25 cats. And they're all standing there. Computer cat stands on her chest and breathes life into her again. The subtly named midnight when when the day changes to a new day. (laughs) Oh, no. So she wakes up and the cats are gone, but her vision and her hearing are off the charts. I don't think that cats have hearing and vision like that. I know they're really good, but she's doing like a zoom in vision, which I believe is much more prevalent in hawks and owls. Yeah. Patience gets back to her apartment and she, I don't know, I guess her key is lost or something. She can't get in the door she climbs up the fire escape and kicks her own window in which is crazy and it's fixed the next time we see it yep not a problem yeah (laughs) and then she looks down and uh the egyptian mal midnight is on the street again and is a real cat now it just looks really worried (laughs) which i thought was really funny (laughs) yeah So the next morning, we see Patience wake up, and she's been sleeping on a very high shelf in her apartment. So we're starting out subtle. (laughs) Yeah. She does not seem to remember what happened last night at all. She's very confused about everything. She has also, I guess, slept in a lot because Tom calls her and leaves a message that he has to go, she missed the date, and he's leaving. She is very bewildered, grabs the cat, and gets a name and address from a scarab on its collar, which is a really weird way to put your name and address on somebody's collar. Especially in a little piece of paper, like fortune cookie paper. Yeah. I don't understand how she even found it, to be honest. I would not have. One of the scarabs opens up, and there's this tiny rolled up, like you said, fortune cookie size piece of paper that has Ophelia Powers address, phone number. She doesn't call. No. She just shows up at the house and yeah. is like, this is your cat. I found your cat on a ledge. And she's a super weird cat lady. She has a zillion cats. They're all very fancy cat breeds, though. 
not all of them, but a lot of them are. Um, it's Frances Conroy. Yep. Who people may recognize from lots of seasons of American Horror Story. Yes. So she has patients come in and she starts talking about Egyptian mouths. They were sacred. They were temple cats to the Egyptians. And they, some people believe they have special powers. She's trying to talk to patients more about cats, but patients is like, no, I have to leave. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm late for my job. Yes. She's always late. I know. She uh, is up and leaving and Ophelia throws something at her, a ball, and she catches it, uncharacteristic for patients, and she starts rubbing her face all over it. And Ophelia so just takes it back and she's like, catnip. Right. Ophelia end really of knows what's going on here. End of scene. Like, yeah. no one's going to address that more. That's it. Right. And she just leaves, apparently, after that. Yeah. Nothing else to say about that. She still goes to work. I would. She had an important deadline. What I would be concerned about, actually, was, does she not remember she had an important deadline she was supposed to meet? I would be worried that I had not met that. Yeah, I would be very worried that I had lost my memory from the previous day, and, like, did that get put in? We don't know. It obviously didn't, because the next thing we see, she's getting yelled at by George Hedare. She goes back and forth between being really sassy and really sorry. Like she's quick-cycling bipolar. So this Catwoman, because of the supernatural stuff, is like two different personalities. Yeah. It's like there is a supernatural personality of the Catwoman that's kind of... So it's it's supposed to be almost a split personality thing that slowly kind of co- like coalesces into one person, almost. Yeah. It's kind of the impression that I got. The Catwoman is really, like... Fiercely independent and sassy and all of this stuff. And, like... Don't take no guff off of nobody. Right. And the the person... This is clearly so opposite of who Patience Phillips was. And Patience didn't ever express any sort of desire to be that way. Like... Yeah, this made me really uncomfortable that this started happening to her. That she was changing... Um, especially it's almost like possession or something like it wasn't it didn't feel like it was bringing out her secret desires it just yeah. felt like it was changing who she was at a basic level yeah especially because it's like oh what are the situations in which patients phillips did not thrive they were abusive situations her boss being abusive to her she couldn't handle okay that doesn't mean that her personality is defective A lot of people are in that situation. A lot of people that are secretly sassy, independent people can't talk back to their boss because otherwise you get fired, which is what just happened to her. Right. And around her friends, she was not sassy. No. And Ever. So that wasn't a part of her personality. And she got asked out by that cop. It's not like people didn't like her. It's not like she didn't have a good life. Yeah. She was successful at her job. She had a situation at home where she needed to stand up to her neighbors better. Guess what? I'm pretty sure she could have mentioned that to Tom and he would have been like, dude, call me next time. Yeah, but we don't get her like muttering sassy things under her breath that she's too afraid to say out loud to people. Or like, yeah. I mean, there's never any sort of indication that she was secretly Catwoman all along. It's just that the supernatural stuff hitting her like brought out her true self. Yeah, exactly. It's more like she's been possessed by an entity that is changing her against her will into somebody she doesn't want to be. Even though later, they kind of try to say that Bast is 
represents the duality of women. Mm-hmm. And so it, they try to act like it is bringing out these things in her that she didn't know she had. And I was like, oh, they were buried really deep. And now they're her dominant personality traits. Right. And she can't control them. No. And she it can't ends decide up, when is appropriate to use them. Yeah. It ends up just taking her over. So yeah. that, I didn't I didn't like that at all. Because it was the classic Hollywood thing of, well, if you're like this, that's not okay. Yeah, you, you, this you, is how you have to be. Because I would have been friends with Patience. I don't like Catwoman at all, but no. I would have been friends with Patience Phillips. We would have been know. great friends. I know, me too. Um, but yeah, no, it's that thing of like, well, if you're timid and shy, that's... They're like, well, that's okay. You just need to learn to stand up for yourself. But it always ends up being, no, you're just sassy now, and you can't have those personality traits anymore. Right. Which drives me nuts. So, she's... She gets fired and everybody cheers about what she's like telling off the boss with. And I'm like, are you cheering that she's like basic? Here's what you're cheering, that nothing is going to change in your office. Your boss is going to be meaner to you for a while because he's in such a bad mood. And now she doesn't have any job or money. That's what you just cheered. And she's not going to get a reference. No, that's what you just cheered. Yeah. So priorities? Yeah. Understanding the world? No. So she's leaving work with her box of stuff at the same time as Sally is leaving work. That makes me think that she was allowed to stay for the entire day. Sally collapses on the sidewalk. So we were told that fainting spells is one of the symptoms of this cream. She has not... Her friend Sally according to how we've seen her use the cream is just dabs here and there. She hasn't been using it that much um certainly apparently not enough to go through withdrawal when she stops using it like when she's in the hospital yeah and yet she's already having headaches and fainting spells they don't say when they're listing the symptoms before that this only happens in a small number of people therefore Mm -mm. that means that most people almost as soon as they start using it, will be experiencing headaches and fainting spells before they're even addicted to it. And before the terrible symptoms show up that you, when you stop using it and they think that it's not going to run into problems down the road. Yeah. I mean, like as soon as it's released. Yeah. Because a lot of people are going to notice that that's when it started. And then a lot of other people are going to go to the doctor and the doctor is going to find out that you just started using this thing and they're going to tell you to stop. And see if that does anything. And then when it does... Right. And they're now going to be sued like crazy by all these people, like class action lawsuits. And that's before even the bad symptoms start manifesting themselves. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't say like, oh, well, we'll be rich because people will have to keep using it because it's addictive. And then also if they stop, this stuff will happen. No. You're not going to be able to manufacture it anymore because you're going to get shut down. Uh, So she's in the hospital and she's having a bunch of tests run. They don't know what's wrong with her. She's being kept for observation. She's still insanely irritatingly sexual at all times. Right. Her hot doctor and all that. Yeah. So Patience leaves the hospital and goes to the school where Tom is talking to kids about being good people. When she showed up there, I was so creeped out. I know. How did you know? You missed your date. And here's how she knows. She talked to the station and they said, sure, lady. Who are you? Doesn't matter. (laughs) This is where a cop is going to be. You couldn't possibly. He's down at the school. You should go there immediately. Yeah, hopefully you're not toting a gun and have some kind of grudge because he locked up your man or something. Yeah. Oh, geez. 
So safety first. Yeah. Also, this leads me. Is this is the beginning of my questions about what Tom's job is? He <laughs> his, his job does is just so being a good many disparate things as a cop that I don't understand what his job is. He's talking to kids. He's just driving around making dates with people. We'll see many more things that don't seem to match. He also doesn't have a partner, which bothers me a lot. And I know it's because they don't want to always have to, like, write dialogue for a partner or, like, have the partner awkwardly be like, you know, I'm just going to grab coffee while you guys have an important emotional conversation. But at the same time, I'm like, it's weird that he doesn't have a partner. And it actually makes me really uncomfortable that he's by himself all the time. I know. I'm worried about your safety, bud. I know. Uh, so he's going to go outside and play basketball with the kids because that's what kids want to do is play basketball with a cop. And also they have what? Two hours set aside for this cop visit. So we might as well just fill the time with some basketball. Yes. There does not appear to be a teacher present that we ever see. So (laughs) sure. But these inner city kids are pretty cool with the cops. So yeah, I guess so. They really trust them. So the kids somehow suggest one-on-one between Benjamin Bratt and Halle Berry. Yeah, they're like, you know what? Actually, we don't want to play basketball at all. We just want to watch two adult strangers play basketball right? in a weirdly sexual way. I know. So inappropriate somehow, in front of those children. Somehow children are super into the idea of just watching them play basketball. Yeah. I mean, they're cheering. When I say into it, they're into this There's game. There's older kids that show up along the outside of the fence to watch. Yeah. They're very interested. And most of the game is just them rubbing up against each other. I know. Like, I don't even mean, like, running around and then rubbing up against each other. I mean, like, them standing in the middle of the court rubbing up against each other. And Halle Berry doing, like, parkour tricks. Yeah. Which is weird, and I would have a lot of questions about yeah. that. But nobody ever, nobody asks questions in this movie, ever. <laughs> yeah. We cut to Laurel Hedare. And she is saying basically to one of the security guys that she's on to George for having an affair with Drina, the new model. Um, Which sounds like he's been having an affairs nonstop for the last 15 years. So I don't know why she cares. That's the thing. It's not surprising. Yeah. Well, he just said that he'll be working with... Wesley, George hasn't said anything meaningful to me since he said, I do. Mm, It sounds like that wasn't that meaningful either. (laughs) Right. If, If that was as soon as it stopped, I don't think that meant anything. Yeah. Unless it just meant you get half his fortune if you guys divorce. Yeah, and probably not, since she was most likely a model for the company when he married her at 25. So she looks out the window, sees George walking into a limo with Drina, and crushes a glass with her hand. No injuries, so she may be a super person. Spoiler alert, it's not that cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. The real And it, it only brings up great. more questions than it answers. <laughs> exactly. So we see patients on her bed. She's eating way too many cans of tuna. She has like eight cans of tuna <laughs> on her bed and not the small ones, the big ones. This she can't fit that Which much is tuna too in much her stomach. tuna for one human. Yeah. I get that it's like, oh well she's not a cat, she wouldn't just eat one can, but like <laughs> she probably would just eat one can. So she's talking on the phone to Sally. Sally, for some reason, has full run of the nurse's station. She doesn't have a phone in her room for some reason. And she doesn't have a cell phone, even though they exist. And we see Sally's apartment at the end of the movie, and it is nice. So I'm pretty sure she would have one. 
Um, but yeah, the nurses are just like working around her. Some are even looking askance at her. And I'm like, tell that lady to get back in her room. What's well, that wrong was with like you? When patients visited her before, I thought she was being released from the hospital because patients was wheeling her around the, the halls in a wheelchair. I know. But no, she was still going to be there. She was just taking a break. Unclear. Patience is hopping around her room like a cat. She's walking all over stuff, being very cat-like. And she's worried on the phone. She's saying she's too worried that she was being too sexual now. She's like, oh, I don't know. I just like, like I almost jumped Tom when we were together. I don't know what that means. It's like, oh, shit. Because she's like, well, that's lust, honey. And I'm like, is it when you're surrounded by a group of school children? By school children? That's like, Or is it precurs- really inappropriate behavior? I can tell you exactly you what are it is. unable to control. It's the precursor to being a registered sex offender. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... And I'm like, no, she's right to be worried. For one thing, if these are unusual urges, like then yeah, she's right to be worried because it's an, it's something contrary to her normal personality. I know. Also, if she feels like she can't control it when she's surrounded by school children, also right to be worried. And she's now hopping around her apartment like a cat. I know. She's right to be worried. These are all very weird things, and she has no control over them. I know, but Sally doesn't care. And this is one of the things where it's like, Sally's supposed to be her best friend, but she doesn't care that her personality is changing. Yeah, all she She cares about is that she's getting some from the hot cop. Because she, Sally has clearly always wanted her to be something that she's not, and she's happy that she's becoming more like Sally. Also, Which is not how your real friend should feel. Well, this movie makes the mistake of equating, like, being a woman with sex. Like, your sexuality. Like, if you're a yeah. real woman, if you're a strong woman, if you're a powerful woman, it's all about sex. And I'm like, well... And that confidence... And sexual en- confidence. Ends like, up being that, yeah. Right, so everything everything good that ha- that's seen as being a good, positive change is somehow, like, traced back to sex for her. It's all looks, which is, looks-based and, like, confidence, and which ends up usually being expressed through some kind of sensuality. Right, or these stronger sexual urges that she has because it's the animal instinct or whatever. Like, and I'm like, it's weird that that, that this is supposed to be such like a pro woman thing. And like, yet at the end of the day, it all boils down to only if you're one kind of woman. Yeah. Which is also weird that it all boils down to sex and like how you look like, Mm -hmm. cause she starts looking super sexy and wearing this ridiculously exposing leather suit. suit. Yeah. And she's got makeup on and she gets a new fashionable haircut and this is seen as her making progress as an evolved woman and yet the villain of the movie is a makeup company she's wearing way more makeup now than she was before as patience which you can spin that as well now she has confidence to just do it for herself and but that's not really how it comes off also i just want to say no one dresses in a cat suit like that for themselves I don't care what the three male screenwriters and the male director were trying <laughs> to tell us with this movie. I, and I have no idea what they were trying to tell us. But really. women, women do not wear clothes like that for themselves. Yeah. Alone in a city, she's not dressing like that. No, and it was really impractical. So for one thing, dressing in black leather... If you're really covered, that can help you camouflage at night. Not when all your skin is exposed and you're fairly light-skinned. And it's just, like, a great way to get injured. Various injuries on your skin. She's no protection over, like, you know, her stomach. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like, oh, well, now she has all the powers of a cat. I've seen cats fall over. (laughs) 
<laughs> Me too. Cats are not magic. Yeah. She's running around the city like she's some kind of supernatural being, which I get that she is supposed to be, but that's not what cats are. Yeah, I've also seen cats fall over, and it's really embarrassing for them. <laughs> yeah, they're not fans of it. They, <laughs> they act like, oh, I mean, uh, they kind of look around a little they're bit like, to see you I, saw them, and then they're like, yeah. oh, I meant to do that. They're like, I didn't want to get up on that table, and I'm walking away now. Yeah. It's 4 a.m. again, and surprise, the music is too loud. Now, this is an interesting scene, because it was completely unforeseen <laughs> that when she had a transformation, this loud apartment would feature so heavily. I know, right? It's not like we could tell almost exactly beat for beat what would happen during this scene. <laughs> She goes and knocks on the door, and she's like, hey, would you turn the music down a little bit? And he's like, uh, no. Closes the door, and she knocks the door down, walks in, and sprays the speakers with... It's the hose in a bar that's, like, soda water or Uh just water, and she sprays it with that, but she ruins the speakers. But this is what I don't understand. What is this place? There's a neon sign that says bar. There's a full working bar in there. I mean, to the point where they have this this soda nozzle. I don't understand if this is an apartment or a bar. But a bar would understand that you can't play music that loud when there's a residential neighborhood right next to you. Yeah. They would have better soundproofing. I know. So it looks like this guy just outfitted his place to be a party place that's a fake bar, which is very strange to me. <laughs> So she feels so empowered by this exchange that she goes and cuts up the leather outfit that Sally previously mentioned having given her for dates. And I was like, what's wrong with you, Sally? It's dating emergency. What she gave her was a black leather jacket with black leather pants and apparently a whip. But I'm like, you are reading a lot of very specific desires into your friend. I think that she likes making her friend feel uncomfortable, which is very upsetting to me. I think that she wants her friend to do weird stuff that she doesn't want to do. She knows she doesn't want to do it and that it makes her uncomfortable, but she still keeps pressing her on it. And it's like, oh, I'm just razzing her. I'm just having fun. But people like, I've known people like the original Patience Phillips, and they don't like that. Friendships like that are work friendships. Yeah. they are. She's the closest thing that she's ever going to get to a good friend at work, and so they're good friends. But as soon as Patience got fired, they would start drifting apart. And they probably wouldn't spend that much time together apart from, like, lunch. Yeah. Because that is an expensive... wouldn't have the type of friendship where she gives her something yeah. like that. Yeah, and that is an expensive... Out, you know, for That's someone where thing. you're just, like... Like, razzing your friend, that is a lot of money to spend. That's a minimum of $300 yeah. that she spent on that in 2004. Yeah. Yeah. It It's way too much. So she cuts the leather outfit up to make it even sluttier. Cuts her hair. Dyes her hair. I Where did she get the hair dye? She, did she just have that? Was that also in the dating emergency kit? Who knows? She goes down and... Also s- apparently straightens her hair. Yeah. She also straightens it. Yeah, it was curly. Um... She steals the motorcycle that she saw in the alley, drives down to the jewelry store in front of which Sally passed out. Yeah, she saw the necklace. When Sally passed out, what she had been doing was staring at this necklace in the window. And she was like, ooh, that's nice. So she catches cat burglars already there. And they're smashing stuff. This jewelry store appears to have no security. (laughs) Yeah. So she goes in and 
she's she's like amateurs and they look up and she's you know in some improbable place yeah and there's a cringeworthy perfect line that was terrible and yeah. I felt so bad for Halle Berry during the scene where she's doing full out Catwoman. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. It was bad. So she starts to take on these burglars. They have a full out physical fight. Yep. And a bunch of CGI action. Not the first time that we will see that most of Halle Berry's action that is not done with stunt doubles. It's all CGI. And it's bad. Well, she wakes up in the morning and she is sleeping on the floor on a bunch of pillows, which is crazy because cats love beds. <laughs> Don't act like this is something that a cat would do. Sleep on a really high shelf. Sleep on all these other places. You know, cats love the biggest, softest bed they can find. Yeah. Which is a human's bed. Mm-hmm. They will sleep on your pillows. Yeah. Whatever. So she wakes up and she's horrified because she finds all this jewelry on her bed. So she returns all of it except for maybe one ring. I a ring tell. and the ne- the Egyptian necklace. Yeah. So she keeps that, which weirdly actually does never come up again. So she puts everything into a paper bag with a big sorry written on it. Puts it in the store. Like, somehow unbeknownst to a bunch of cops. <laughs> yeah. That are they're ca- covering the crime. Mm-hmm. Including Tom. So he's, he's this, add this again, he's on the theft beat. (laughs) Yes. By himself still. Well, he's with other people, but he's not with, like, working with other Right, but he doesn't have a partner detective. He's doing a really high profile robbery, and he does not have a fellow detective working with him. I'm like, how good is this cop? Very good, as we'll see Which is why we also waste his time doing... Feel good stuff in the inner city. I know. I know. That's where we put our best men. Yeah, like those are the same people that do those things. They get the bag with all the jewelry in it, but there's also a box with six cupcakes underneath it. Yeah. Which was weird. I thought it made sense, but I'm also like, all you're doing is handing these people more evidence to find you with. Exactly. Well, we'll we can find the bakery these were bought at. Do you remember who purchased these cupcakes from you? Well, really how about recently, the fact probably? that your DNA is all over this bag? Yeah, exactly. So all, all of a sudden, she's worried. So we yeah. get back on the old Google, and we see a bunch of things. She's googling cat woman. Or woman, comma, cat. I don't know what she was expecting to find with that. She is, we've also now seen that Patience Phillips is the worst Googler of all time. (laughs) I know, right? You know, it's that moment where you're like, I don't know what search terms to type into Google, except this is for the most obvious thing. Like, woman acting like cat. Done. I know. She's Google's worst nightmare. Egyptian male brought to America in 1940. And then she I, finds a, a lot of the stuff from the opening montage. Right, she finds a bunch of the same pictures of, of women that are wearing the same um, eye mask and all this stuff. So she goes back to Ophelia and she's like, I knew you would come back when you were ready. And she explains that Bast represents the duality in all women. Maus are sacred to Bast. They're her messengers. Um, so women, the duality in them is docile, nurturing, ferocious, like all this different stuff. Also, nobody is apparently shaken by the knowledge that Bast is, is actually real and has real power and influence in the world. The implications are huge. Yeah. This would change my entire worldview. Yeah. Um, our other 
God's real? Exactly. Is it just, do I need to do something? Uh, should I be sacrificing this? harvest yeah, what stuff? The, like, what's going on here? Religious prescriptions for these <laughs> right. gods? Do I need like, to worry about the afterlife? Is my heart actually going to be weighed against a feather? What do I need to do about that? Yeah, like, nobody is bothered by this. Except yeah. for me. I'm like, this is very serious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so she explains that Patience died and was reborn. Midnight knew her fate, and that's why she tested her by seeing if she was so dumb she would walk out onto a window unit. Yeah. I guess she passed the test. She says she's not alone, and she throws photos down at her. (laughs) They were both on the second floor, and then does Ophelia push her, or does she just fall off? No, she pushes her off. But she's a cat, so she lands on her feet. Yeah. So, and then she just, like, throws a bunch of photos uh, and paintings, like, yeah. photos of paintings down at her. One of them is Michelle Pfeiffer from... Yes. Catwoman. Cat, well, who played Catwoman in Batman Returns. So, she's saying, you know, all of these women had the same gift. You spent a lifetime caged, and now you're free. I hate this. I hate the implication that timid, shy people are caged. Are deficient. I know. They're deficient because they just haven't realized how to be fully themselves yet. If I want to be timid and shy, that's on me. I am allowed to be timid and shy if I want to be. Well, and some people are introverts, and that's what they're how they're happy. Like, some right. people would not be happy doing... I would not be happy living the way that, that she lives later. I would be extremely unhappy. I know. Especially if now the choice of fitting into society had been taken away from me by some weird cat spirit that was possessing me. So... Halle Berry's back in her apartment, and she's got Midnight now, I guess. Midnight's just hanging out with her forever. You saved my life, Midnight. But somebody killed me. And I've got to find out who and why. Really? You had to say that? You had to say that out loud? I'm just not sure that the audience could have gotten it otherwise. Yeah. So now she's in full Catwoman garb. And there's more CGI action as she roams through the city and she sees somebody get into a limo. We hear Sharon Stone's voice come out of the limo to the security guy. You dealt with Slavicki? And he says, yeah, he's he's taken care of. It's the same security guy who shot her and she seeing his face has a flashback to that. So now she knows that this guy shot at her. Right, and the reason we have to immediately have memory flashbacks is because we didn't start investigating this case until halfway through the movie. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. So, here, here's the other thing. She doesn't know that somebody killed her. She That's a good point. She doesn't know that something like that happened. She just knows that she died. Yeah. Oh, so it's interesting that she jumped to that. It's also really convenient that, like, the first time she's out and about as Catwoman, she immediately sees the clue that she needs. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. She doesn't... With no, no starting point yeah. or... I'm just going to wander around. Yeah, don't worry. She doesn't use it well. So he walks into, I guess, a warehouse bar? It's like this underground, yeah. cool something warehouse club. They needed to find some place where she would supposedly fit in wearing her weird cat dominatrix oh, outfit. She does not. No, she but doesn't, but no fair. one bats an eyelash at it. No, I looked around really also. Cool. She's the only person wearing a mask. Yes, and the other thing is um, this bar doesn't seem to have like a real MO. 
they've got a weird light up dance floor. Yeah, it's like ravey dance floor. But at the same time, it's grungy because it's in a warehouse mm-hmm. and it has a normal bar with normal bartenders. And a lot of the people don't seem to have the same look to them either. So it's a yeah. really eclectic setup. And nothing is leather heavy or dominatrixy. No. But the guy walks in, hands money to the bartender and says, I was here all night. Which made me think that he was going to leave again. But no, he just, he, he just, he, he's going to stay there now. She comes up to the bar right after the security guy leaves and says, white Russian, hold the vodka, hold the Kahlua, no ice. He's not bothered by this or grossed out by he it. He just kind of smiles, smiles and hands, like, yeah, pours that's, some cream. That's cute and normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's charming. So she pounds a glass of cream. Which is just gross. It's so gross. And he smiles like, oh, I love this. No. This isn't the grossest thing I've ever seen. I'm not worried about you that you came here dressed as a cat and then pounded a glass of cream in front of me. And also didn't pay. Not even Halle Berry is pretty enough to get away with that and still have guys interested. She's not. Uh, and this is where we see that her gloves are completely insane and impractical for anything. Yeah. Other than cutting glass, which she does later. So she starts dancing with her whip. I mean, just all over the dance floor with her whip. And I was like, I think you'd be breaking stuff right now and hurting people. Everyone's into it. Everyone's watching with Everyone smiles loves it. and cheering they're, her they're on. cheering. Yeah. yeah. They love it. And then she spies security guy. He has what appears to be a box seat. <laughs> At this yeah. warehouse club. What is this place? I know, it's the VIP section I of the warehouse club. I don't understand it. Like, people don't set up clubs in warehouses so that they can have VIP box seats. Yeah. And he's there by himself. He's just watching the dance floor. And I was like, is the dancing that good here? These are all fellow club goers. These are not paid dancers. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, her dancing wasn't even that good. No, it wasn't good. And the box seat leads directly into the alley. <laughs> Because she jumps into For his all seat, your rape-heavy needs. Kicks him into the alley through the door. Also, nobody notices or cares that that's happening. He yeah. appears to be a big deal at this bar, but nobody checks on him. Nope. So she gets into a fight with him, and she, she says that he killed someone, and she was a nice girl. And he goes, look, I just, they told me to flush the pipe. I flushed the pipe. That's what, and then she remembers that that's what happened. And... She's like, why did you do that? And he said, well, they said that she saw something she wasn't supposed to see. Um, so she goes to the lab and she sees that Slavicki is dead. A maintenance worker sees her standing over the body and thinks that she did it and runs off to tell someone. It's weird because why wouldn't she have tried to get to the maintenance worker and talk to him? She doesn't deal with this at all. She goes next, it's the next day, and she goes to see Sally in the hospital. So yeah. the scene cuts were weird. They didn't deal with, like, the aftermath of things, yeah. which was strange. Um, so Sally's still in the hospital. Honestly, God himself does not have insurance that is this good. Sally is overnight, she's still in a hospital stay in a private room with no serious symptoms. She fainted once. I assure you, she would not have even have been kept overnight Yeah, the first time. They would have said, well, you had a little fainting spell. We don't know what it was. We run some tests. If they can't find anything, they'll send you home. It's not like she had a heart attack. Right. Yeah. Come back if this is a problem. Or better yet, 
Go to your regular doctor. Go to your general doctor. This is, he needs to recommend you to specialists. You don't need to be in the hospital. Right. They would never have kept her overnight, (laughs) but they definitely wouldn't be keeping her multiple nights. (laughs) It's totally crazy. The most serious fainting spell we've seen in decades. I know. (laughs) One time? Oh my gosh. And now she's completely fine. She's been fine ever since she got there. Yeah. Um, Having headaches? In, in conjunction with that, still not a reason they would keep you in the hospital. It has to be really bad if they keep you there. Yeah. So Sally is super happy to see that her friend has changed everything about herself. In her room, they see on the news that Catwoman is alleged to have killed this doctor. And at a press conference, they're showing George Hedair says, we will launch next week as planned because we owe it to the women of this country. And I was like, mm, that sounds different than I think you wanted it to sound. <laughs> we owe it to the ugly, wrinkly old women who populate this country to put this cream out and make them e- easy to look at again. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Can we talk for a second about the cream? I feel like we haven't had a good chance to talk about it yet. Go ahead. Okay. This cream confuses the heck out of me. And me. It's called Beoline, which uh-huh. is just a baffling choice, unless you're really angry at Maybelline for some reason. Isn't that weird? But here's my here's my problem with it. Sharon Stone has apparently been using this cream for years. Oh my god. <laughs> I had the same problem with it. Yeah, but this is not a new, like an updated version of an old product. They're this product launch makes it very obvious that this is a completely brand new product. Yes. And yet, Sharon Stone has been using it for years. I know. I'm like, you were just sitting on this? What's happening? Yeah. It's not like she made it herself. If, if yeah. If they had said that she had, that would make a lot more sense. Right. Because then it would have been her beauty secret that her husband forced out of her to make more money. Yeah, exactly. But like, no, it just seems like they've had this and they've just been sitting on their hands for like a decade. Or she's just been using it. A product in various stages of experimentation for years? Yeah. What is going on? Like, how is it that she's been using it for this long? Yeah, that part made no sense at all. Patience is all of a sudden starting to realize that... Now, you would think she walked into this meeting where they talked about how dangerous this cream is. You would think that she would instantly be like, Sally's headaches and she passed out. Oh, no. Well, it doesn't matter because she lost all of her memories conveniently. Oh, I forgot about that. Sorry. I know, because I had that thought, too. I was like, man, the first thing you need to do is go to Sally and be like, yeah, hey, stop, stop using, using that, that cream. Well, don't but worry. she lost all of her memories conveniently because we don't have enough plot for the movie. Which is so funny. we had to do that. For everything else, as soon as she hears any word about it or sees somebody who was involved. <laughs> she sees a flashback. But she saw Slovicki's dead body and didn't remember anything. Yeah. So Patience is like, wait, when did you say those head- headaches started? She's like, uh, about a month ago. And she's like, when did you start using this? And she's like, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And she's like, Which means it to- instantaneously causes headaches. Exactly. So she's like, you need to stop using this cream. It's, it's hurting you. She throws it into a biohazard container, which is a trash can with a flip lid. <laughs> In a patient's room. <laughs> The lawsuits involved with this. You patients can just stick their hands in and grab, I don't know, needles, biohazard things. First of all, nothing is contained that way that's a biohazard. Second of all, those containers are not in patients' rooms. So, good job. Back at the station, Tom's boss hands him the the thing on the Slovicki homicide and says... (laughs) Maybe you'll want to look at that. And I was like, is this really how info is passed around in a, in a police station? Yep. 
so I guess it's because the Catwoman, what the the burglars described the woman who stole the jewelry as acting like a cat. She was dressed like a cat. This is the same thing. So that's why he wants to look at it. But it's also really different. I don't think that they'd put him on a homicide. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So he's thinking about patience and he asks his chief. Let me ask you a question. Would your wife crawl out on the ledge of a building to rescue a stray cat? Maybe. The cat was carrying a pizza. Are you married what? to a teenage boy? <laughs> or, or a 400-pound woman? Like, what's the implication here? <laughs> that your wife doesn't really care about cats, but she's like, I don't know. I don't even get what he's saying here. I'm like, all I heard is that you don't like your wife very much. <laughs> it's not like, it was, like funny it, wife banter. It's just weird. Well, because what's weird is he could have said something like, not unless he was carrying like a, a diamond necklace. bracelet. Yeah. Pizza. No, it was something to imply that your wife's a big fat pig. <laughs> like, would was... risk death for a pizza. <laughs> I mean, it really stood out. It's I know. Like a weird it was a weird line. Comparison. There are a few lines like that where you're like, what? A lot of them said by that chief, actually. Um, and now all of a sudden there's a coffee on his desk that says sorry, and it's the same sorry as was written on the jewelry bag. Because the coffee is what she brought him when they were hanging out with the kids. Oh, so, like, and she, she just now. She shows up and she brings him a sorry coffee because she missed their date. Uh-huh. And he apparently kept the cup for some what? reason. Because after you finish the cup, I guess it's super romantic if you just, just keep, keep it, it on, your, on desk. your desk. Oh, that's weird. And then she wrote it on the bag. But genius cop that he is, it took him this long to match the two. Yeah. Good so, thing he did keep the cup on his desk. Or well, he I know. Screwed. Also, good thing there's a handwriting analyst on the force. <laughs> Who can immediately drop everything and give you a very emotionally detailed analysis of these two. It's so <laughs> funny because he, he's like, are these the same people? And they're like, oh, there's similarities. He's like, but could they it look be the, the same? same. Like, could they it just... be the same person? I was like, yeah, they're exactly the Clearly same. Clearly they're exactly the same, except... And he goes, well, it's not an exact science. And then proceeds to build full personalities out from this, like, with pseudo... Pseudoscience handwriting analyst. Right. Stuff. Because this oh like, says that she's lonely in this. Yeah. And this why says that she's pleaser. aggressive. So, like... And... She, so and so I'm like, cops... oh, you were right. It was not a science. <laughs> you were not I wrong. No, it was such nonsense. And then the cop is like, okay, so they're completely different people then. And he's like, he yeah. goes, that's not what he does not say. Yep, he says something way weirder. He says, if you put these two women in the same room, you're gonna have one hell of a party. What does that mean? <laughs> how is how is any party made better <laughs> by a lonely people pleaser? I don't understand how she's going to add the fire to this mix. I guess maybe she's willing to be pressured into stuff. Like, I don't I guess. Like, if you're into that kind of thing, you, you want to... Yeah, basically anything said inside the cop station <laughs> is weird. And doesn't it make was, sense. It was weird. And it was especially weird that it was a handwriting analyst getting it just from two identical looking saris. You know, because... The other thing is, I'm like, you are a handwriting analyst who works for the cops. 
you should know what they mean is, should I look into this person? Is this person a plausible suspect based on this handwriting analysis? And the answer is 100% yes. Yeah. The handwriting is so similar. They're identical. And he this didn't guy's even like, need to no go to a handwriting different analyst. Different personalities. Yeah, I know, exactly. But it's the same word, both written at the same angle. Like, I any know. moron could have seen that you should look into this. I know. He doesn't, though, because he's been reassured. <laughs> and I guess he doesn't want to help not, the police. Not important. Not important. Not <laughs> yeah. important. Uh, so Patience and Tom meet at a weird, janky city carnival, <laughs> a fair that's always up. Yep. Um, he asks her if anyone, oh, she's showing her confidence side. She's doing that throw a baseball at bottles thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I thought you were supposed to, you, uh, you, you're not going to let me win. Um, and she's like, I'm not that kind of girl. And is very confident, but then like, but gets in flustered an obnoxious and hits someone. Way. Yeah, I know. So he asked her if anyone had a grudge against Hedare, who would what have... she would know was a low-level employee. Yeah, right? I mean, what is he going to say? I got this info from this girl I'm dating. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, a lot of people. He was not nice. <laughs> not yeah. a lot of people liked him. Every former employee. Yeah. She's like, am I a suspect? And he's like, no. So, good exchange. They get on a Ferris wheel, and they get to the top, and it stops, and they're like, ooh, romantic, we'll be up here a while. But then it starts actually breaking. Gears are grinding, everything's gonna be be messed up. Um, this is what I don't understand. How could they yeah. not have just solved this problem by disconnecting it from a power source? Isn't that strange? The guy who's running it, he goes over and he's like, oh no, and he, like, is making it worse somehow? Yeah. So... Tom climbs out of the box at the top, climbs down, which I don't believe he could do. No. And uh, he is going to go help, and he ends up fixing it. Like, yeah. He ends up making it fine. And I'm like, how? His father was a carnival engineer. <laughs> oh, no. We never got that backstory. There's also, on this Ferris wheel that needs to be immediately decommissioned, a car <laughs> that starts just straight up falling off. These two problems are unrelated. I feel like the screenwriter didn't realize this, but these two problems are not coming from the same source. No, and it's like it. So it's like this car has been barely hanging on for years, and all the the weight of a thirty pound child <laughs> who's sitting in it alone, which is weird. His mom is watching from the ground, and they just try to they drive it home way too hard. Mm, there's two or three shots of him going, "Mommy, mommy." <laughs> And then it goes back to her, and then it's back to him. Mommy! And I'm like, we get it. It's a kid. So she climbs down. And it's the down. only car that's breaking. And the it's only breaking one. hardcore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, In, like, a lot of different places. The car <laughs> is not... places. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is not how you so show So she sees that he's not going to be able to do anything about this, so she climbs down and gets him. And she saves the kid, and she's hanging onto the wheel, and, like... Honestly, that grip, grip strength alone is crazy. Yeah. So, Patience as Catwoman breaks into Sharon Stone's house that night. We're just cutting straight to that. (laughs) And Sharon Stone gets after it and hits her with a golf club from behind. I mean, she does not need the security system that she has but still let Catwoman in. (laughs) It's clear to, to Laurel, Sharon Stone, that Patience thinks that Hedare, George Hedare, murdered Slavicki. She doesn't think that Laurel's in on it at all. 
And so Laurel runs with it. She's like, oh, yeah. Um, Once he's... again, so she flashed on Slavicki, but, like, not on Laurel, who was at the meeting. Exactly. She's like, well, I, he's capable of anything. I don't, you know, I don't know what he's capable of. You should take him down. This is where he is. And she also mentions that she's been using the cream for years at this point. This is yeah. where we first hear that she's been using it for years. Um, because she's like, there's some bad side effects, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I've been using it for years. So Patience goes to find George Hedair, who is at a weird aerial ballet show or something like that, with Drina. Surprisingly, not a rendition of Cats, which is kind of <laughs> what I was expecting. Yeah, it's not, that's not classy enough for someone like George Hedair. Catwoman breaks into this place and is walking around on, again, in improbable places. And one of the security guards, it's his, like, this is my big break guy. Call the cops. You're not going to believe this. (laughs) Why did we need that? (laughs) Sell it. Drina says that she thinks the show is a waste of time, which is a weird thing to say. Just say you don't like it. I know. It was weird. Yeah. And so George says, don't. She says, don't what? Don't think. Ever. Just consider it one of the terms of our relationship. Like, you are not married yet. Like, you're not in a position where you can do that with impunity. I know. So she gets up and leaves the box. Patience comes in. So he's like, who are you? And she's like, I just got my nails done. Do you like them? Because remember, he told her to get a manicure before. Oh, oh circling right. back around. Gosh, I forgot about that. What a leap. Oh, man. I know. They do a lot of stuff like that. Where you're like, that was, that, that's not exactly payoff. I wouldn't no. call that a payoff. So she's talking to him about all this stuff like, you know, Slavicki and the cream. And it's very clear that he doesn't know what's going on. The cops are there. So she jumps down onto the stage and is jumping around and then like climbs up the back wall and the audience claps like they think it's part of the show because they're the dumbest people (laughs) in the world. Uh, So she has the requisite encounter with Tom, who is also sent out on the night beat. He's he's there during the day, he's there at night. It's weird. He's he's the person you call when you want to protect your local weird aerial performances. Yeah, and I don't know if he he was like, hey, it's the cat lady, get Tom out there. But he did never before has he been part of an action team. If that's the case, though, he got out there super fast. I know, and you wouldn't, and he's like up in the uh, catwalk. Yeah, up in the catwalk, which is a weird place for him to be. I know by himself. I know. Uh, so there's uh, their encounter. There's a lot of terrible lines. She seems to be having a ball. She's very happy. He is not. And she kisses him on the cheek and then licks his cheek. And I was like, that's a weird. Way. So she ends up surrounded by cops and we don't really ever see her escape. She just shorts the lights and we assume. Yep. Because that's how these people handle transitions. George Hedare. He got scratched on the face by her. He's mad and he's on the phone. Laurel walks in and says, don't be afraid. You haven't got a clue, do you? I mean, we are of absolute ruin here. And your brilliant piece of advice to me is don't be scared. No, my advice to you, George. Quit the self-tanning. Stop eating Viagra like they're vitamins. Resist the urge to date children born the same day they invented the cell phone. He slaps her and then pulls his hand back and is really hurt. 
even though, which at first I thought meant that she had a force field around her face because he got nowhere near her skin. Oh, it's almost like they, she was like, absolutely not. You're not slapping me for this movie. (laughs) This movie is not good enough. Yeah. And she's like, isn't it great? That's all we get. Yeah. I guess you're some kind of superhuman due to the cream. Patience is now picking out outfits. This is, see, this is what's so weird about this movie. They keep flipping back and forth, and it's like, oh, well, now she's Catwoman. Now she's just normal. But they don't ever, her life doesn't seem to be both of them at once. Yeah. She she doesn't care enough about the things that happen when she's Catwoman. Yeah, and she's never, and we do see her get more confident when she's Patience. Yeah. With, especially with the cop that she's dating, um, because that's the only time a woman's confidence matters, apparently. Mm-hmm. But we don't ever see Patience's common sense and kindness moderate Catwoman's behavior. No. So what we get is this indication that she will slowly become completely Catwoman and her identity of Patience Phillips will be lost. Yes, which is crazy uh, because they specifically mentioned the duality of women and how Bass represented that. Yeah. But it's only the ferociousness that we're getting. So Patience is picking out outfits with Sally, who's out at the hospital and already drinking. (laughs) And Patience is worried that Tom isn't going to like the real her. And Sally says, well, he's going to have to. He, if he's going to be into you, he has to like all of you, which is funny because Sally didn't. This is also confusing for me because I don't feel like Patience is acting like she understands who she is. And yet she's a moment of incredible transition in her life as far as her personality goes. So I'm like, you currently don't know who you are. You're still trying to figure out a balance between the two. And what she seems to be implying is, is he going to like me if I expose the Catwoman side of myself? But I don't know that. We never get any indication as to whether Patience likes herself as Catwoman. Like, yeah. And I would argue that that is not, in fact, who she is. Yeah. Yeah, There's same. been no strong case made in the beginning of the movie that she was secretly Catwoman waiting to be revealed. No. We get a really quick scene of Laurel applying cream and in her house, and it's clear that she has never once applied cream to herself before. <laughs> because she has it a looks full... like she was going to shave. I know. She has a full slab of cream on one part, one side of her neck. And yep. I'm like, can you, do you only do it in stages? You don't do all of it every day? I know, because she keeps, and this is one of those things where I'm like, I guarantee this was a continuity thing. Oh, The yeah. reason that she only kept it on that one side of her neck was because they didn't want to have to scrape it off between scenes. But we stay in the scene for so long that it feels weird that she doesn't ever start a new section of her neck. I know. Oh, man. So Patience is on her date at a fancy restaurant, sushi restaurant with Tom. She is staring at the fish in the aquarium like she's a little cat. And just grabs all of, when they get their food, she starts eating all of the fish pieces off of the top of the nigiri. Yeah. Which is so weird, and it's a huge red flag that Tom doesn't seem to care about. (laughs) With absolute, like, no self-control whatsoever. Way too fast. She's just, boop, 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 boop. And then he says something, he's like, oh, you really like the the sushi, huh? And I'm like, that's not liking sushi, that's liking raw fish. So they talk about Catwoman, and he's like, she kissed me, what do you think of that? And I'm like, that's a an insane thing to say and ask. I'm like, you, this is like your second date. I know. 
You know, this isn't like you've been dating six months and you just want this person to know, hey, I was out on a case. This person kissed me. It didn't mean anything. Yeah. Not what do you think of that? You into that? If I can find Catwoman, are you into that? (laughs) If I get both of you in a room together, (laughs) will I have a great party? (laughs) Because you know what else is funny is he, she gets a haircut. Okay. So her haircut is now super short and dyed blonde and straight Straight and spunky and all of this stuff. She doesn't even look the same. No, she doesn't. And he's not bothered by this at all. And her personality. She hasn't even mentioned it. Well, yeah. And she's dressing differently. Her personality has changed. And I'm like, if you have a a handwriting match like that and this person that you met has been having a serious personality change and a lot of spare time on their hands. And to be fair, the first time you met them, they were standing on a window unit. Like, yeah. they haven't shown a lot of stability ever. Don't you think that you would at least look into what her alibis might be for these things? Or if she has any motive? Like, he is not a very good cop. No, he's not. So he's like, well, let's talk about you. And she's like, well, uh, she, she, he says something about being an artist. And she's like, well, I'm not an artist. I went to art school and then I got my job and now I don't even have that. And he's like, I know what you are. You're different. Special. I'm like, okay. Talk about a line you can just trot out I on know, any old day. Because you don't have to justify You're special. That. You're like, different. Well, yeah, we're all special. Enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And so they're walking off from the date and she says, look, there are a few things I need to explain. And he says, like your new look? And it's like, First time you've mentioned that, that happened like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. And she's about to start talking, but she gets derailed by a drop of rain. And she's like, I hate rain and runs away because cats hate water. Yeah. Here's the thing. Cats and people don't act that differently in the rain. Mm -hmm. You know, people act like, oh, cats are so weird because they hate water. If somebody sprayed water at you, you'd be pretty mad. Yeah. Like, you'll get in the shower, but that's because you chose to. If somebody threw you into the shower and you weren't expecting it, you would hate it. It's so. very, it's the very rare person that's yeah. totally cool So stop that. acting also, like you're so superior. Yeah, well, because also it's cold and it's falling randomly. <laughs> like, yeah. no one enjoys that. I know. So they end up just making out because now the Catwoman has taken over. They take shelter somewhere and then... They just go back to her place, which yep. we see fully for the first time, and it's ridiculously huge. And we see later when uh, Tom gets up in the middle of the night that she has a weird mini fridge. She has a fridge with, a, <laughs> like, the clear front that you can see through. It's uh-huh. just a glass door, but it's, like, a small one, and it just has Dasani <laughs> bottles in it. And I'm like, did you steal that from work when you left? So in the dark, going back to bed, he steps on one of her diamond cat nails, and he looks at it, and that alone makes him so suspicious that he grabs a glass with her lip print on it, leaves immediately without telling her, and takes it to the station. So Patience wakes up in the middle of the night also when Laurel calls her and says, you were right about Hader, and I'm so shocked at what he's doing. The cream is toxic, and I have proof. We have to stop him together, and we'll do it tomorrow. End of conversation. I had to call you at 3 a.m. for that. Yeah. And that's what Luckily, she... those are Catwoman's peak hours. So. Exactly. And, and she waited thoughtfully until after the date was finished. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, that's when she sees the note and Tom is gone. Well, we see him back at the station and it's so much less scientific than I thought it would be. <laughs> I thought they were going to do DNA something, but instead they're using a computer. First of all, they appear to have a lot of scientists on staff <laughs> 24-7 at the lab, at, at the, the station. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's just contract work that people do. Like you send it out somewhere. Yeah, The lab isn't at the station. Right. And they're just using an image to match the lip print shape. 
<laughs> That's all it is. It's the bottom lip print that was on his cheek. And they're like, 99.9% match. And he's like, well, that's good enough for me. She's definitely Catwoman. Well, also, whoa, whoa. It was what was on his cheek? Yeah. So it was what was on your stretchy human skin. Exactly. And then on a glass, which is a different shape, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. What is police work? <laughs> I don't know. So Patience goes to... Uh, Laurel's house and she's saying you know I was everything they wanted me to be and then I turned 40 and they threw me away I was so powerful and all this stuff and then she points to the other room and uh, Catwoman goes in there and George Hedera is dead on the floor okay I just need to point out what an idiot Laurel Hedera sounds like in this scene (laughs) if she couldn't see this coming Every model knows oh, yeah. that your expiration date is coming up, and you are lucky if it doesn't come till you're 40. Yeah. So the fact that she, for one thing, apparently, was very surprised by this and expected it to last forever and is very bitter that it's not, but also did not diversify her interests at all to be more of, like, a business manager or, like, an executive within the company. Well, that's... Like, that's on her. Well, that she did, actually, it looks like. But... I think that she was so unhappy and that was all she had. And so she just was never, ever going to be ready to let go. I guess. But I just think it makes her look like an idiot. (laughs) I mean, it's not great. But she did have a plan. She killed her husband and pinned it on someone else pretty successfully. uh, Because she made it look like Patience did it. She has the claw marks and all this stuff. Even though I'm sure the analysis would show that it's not, like, they could find out what she had used for that. Yeah. So she immediately sets off the security alarm. Police show up. Tom is there somehow. Tom's on his way there. What is his job again? I don't get it. He's only on cat-related crimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Patience goes upstairs, and she steals one of Laurel's track suits to hide in. And it's all over the news as she walks home that she killed Hedare. Tom is at her apartment when she walks back somehow. Even though he was at the crime scene, surely they're not done there. They didn't let him just leave. And he was on the news as she walked home, getting interviewed at the crime scene. But now he arrests her at home, and he's also the one interrogating her. I also don't think that's how that works. Well, it no, because talk about conflict of interest. Yeah, exactly. She's No, you can't interview your, your girlfriend, girlfriend who's suspected of a crime, who you just slept with, by the way, earlier tonight. Yeah, exactly. So she's tearfully explaining what happened, trying to make him believe her. Someone should pull him out of this interview because it's getting really personal and he's very close to getting swayed. But he's not and she's locked into a cell. He's sitting at his desk and he's really bummed out and his chief walks up and says, look at it this way. You may have lost your woman, but at least you got your man. And he goes, did I? And he's like, yep. <laughs> it was just such a funny line the way he said it. And he was, he was just like, yep. End of story. No more discussion. And walks away. <laughs> uh, midnight, the cat comes to see her in jail. There's a window in her cell and there's no glass over the bars. <laughs> that is definitely a prisoner rights violation in a city like Gotham. Yeah. Where it gets very cold. Hopefully, you know, their friends aren't going to come throw stuff through the bars for (laughs) them. Somehow this makes her realize that it's not just about her anymore. There's a lot of stuff at risk if this cream gets on the market. And so she squeezes through the bars just like she saw Midnight do. But not out the window. Out the walkway. The normal way. So she has to avoid people. Also... (laughs) 
I would like to point out that there is nothing stopping her while she's in prison from telling police officers what this company is planning. I know. You could be like, oh, well, if I did kill him, it was because of this. Or I used to work there. I overheard them talking about this. I mean, to be fair, you're giving your motive, but you would be stopping this. And that's what your goal is, right? You can do that from your jail cell. Exactly. She jumps out of a window, lands in front of a Jaguar that bumps her a little bit. And I'm shocked that Jaguar let this happen. They were fine with the... Product placement? Yeah, product placement. Well, it probably didn't hurt him at all because no one saw this movie. Um, <laughs> she, like, almost makes out with that Jaguar hood on her mitt. <laughs> um, this is the most egregious thing I've ever seen for what you, how to treat people who stop and help you. I know. In a time of distress. Steal their car, baby. Yeah. So Sharon Stone is now the model again of the company. Because she gets to make all the decisions, and I guess she's... And that is also still not going to last long when you're... No, it's not, because the board is going to force you out if you start making decisions like that. Or if your sales start declining. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she's at a press conference or something. Mm -hmm. Again, unclear. And she's giving out the cream. Tom comes in, and the security guards exchange glances when she hails him as the man who brought my husband's killer to justice, which made me think that they were going to turn at some point and, like, have consciences when they never did. So I thought that was weird. They go to talk privately, and we see patients going through a warehouse with tons of trucks loading up the cream. She chains all of their front wheels together, and... Attaches the chain to another truck, drives it, and pulls all their front wheels off. Which, I don't know that the chain would be strong enough to do that. It seems doubtful. But, yeah. So Tom and Laurel are upstairs, and he says, he says, he's like, what if I told you that I knew the truth? I knew who really killed your husband. But he'll look the other way if that's what she wants. And she's like, well, what do you want? He says, I already have it now that you admitted it to me. And I was like, she did not. Even if that was recorded, you couldn't find an admission in there. No. And I think if you went to court over that, you would find reasonable doubt for sure. 100%. Yeah. So, and he wasn't even recording it. So (laughs) I don't know what you think you've got now. Uh, But it's enough for her because she shoots him and is about to finish the job when a whip grabs her hand. Laurel calls security and is like, Thanks, I'll just have you both killed now. And they're being chased through the warehouse by the security guys. Yeah, she has no exit plan on this, by the no, way. Not like, at all. None Who at are you framing this time? Yeah. They pause because of his shoulder wound, and he apologizes to her. And it's very heartfelt. Patience kills one guard, and Tom punches the other one out. Now Laurel is also in the warehouse with a gun, because I guess she didn't trust those guys to finish the job. Which is fair, they already tried and failed to kill her once. She gets into one-on-one combat with Halle Berry, and she, Catwoman, reveals that she is Patience Phillips. And now it's a fight. Laurel says that she can't be hurt because of the cream. She says, if you stop using it, your skin disintegrates. But if you keep using it, you'll get skin like marble. Okay, here. This is this is a problem. And you can't feel anything through your skin. Yeah. This is a problem. For one thing, not every woman using this cream What's is going that? to hate her husband. I know. So that might be an issue. But also, her skin 
is what they say is like lifelike marble or something. Yeah. Because she can still move her skin, we can clearly see her move her skin. So I'm like, how? What is this elastic marble? Like I don't yeah. like this. This is nonsense. I mean, she just says like skin like marble, so she doesn't she doesn't have the comparison. The show's not out yet. She can't say you know like Luke Cage. <laughs> it's ridiculous, though. I know it is. It doesn't um, make any sense. And the fact that she can't feel anything through her skin. I mean. Is she only using this? Like, where is she using this cream? Because she's able to pick things up and fight people. Like, if you if you can't feel things through your skin, yeah, maybe there's a lot just, of things you can no longer do. Maybe she just means you can't feel very much, but you can still feel pressure. I mean, hopefully, because otherwise you're gonna have a real problem. So after a long fight, Sharon Stone falls out of a really high story window. Yeah. Halle Berry tries to catch her, but but she's like, give me your hand, but she doesn't. Probably partly because she sees her face in the window and somehow her skin is starting to go. Yeah, and I, I don't it's because she was scratched by Halle time. Berry. Oh, okay. So then, like, I don't know if it's the scratches that she's horrified by or if, like, her skin starts to disintegrate because of the scratches, which doesn't yeah, seem to make sense. Something like that. So Patience is looking, standing there looking down at... And Tom walks up and he says, she says, I might not be a hero, but I'm certainly not a killer. Which is a weird thing to say when you're standing over a dead body of someone you were just fighting and you couldn't save. Yep. Tom says that if she's back in the cell the next morning, it will be really hard to prove that she was Catwoman. Even though she made it a lot easier for them by stealing a car right outside of the jail. You're getting convicted for something. Because also, they probably have probable cause to search your apartment now, and they'll find the jewelry that you stole. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we now we cut to, like, wrapping everything up. We see Sally, who's in a huge apartment, and she's with the young doctor. This is very troubling. That doctor should be, should have his medical license revoked. Yes, actually, he should. That's not... Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, what doctor... For one thing, the doctor's much younger than her. And I get Which it's is the gross. whole go-get-him-girl thing. No, but I'm like, gross. that doctor who's young and attractive would never be with an older, heavier woman like that. Yeah. Especially one that was just kind of weird. Well, one and, that was so lecherous in the hospital. Yeah. She hung up the phone earlier when she was talking to patients and was like, oh, here's my future husband. And hangs up the phone and is like, I think I have a fever. And is like smiling. And he's like, oh, walking over. And I'm like, what's he going to do when it's like, no, I don't have a fever. I just like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah. And his, his, if anyone found out that for one thing, he's now living with her or I guess just spending massive amounts of time dating her. Yeah. Like he will get his medicine, medical license revoked. Yes. There's multiple, multiple years that you have to wait. Yeah. Um. If you want to date somebody that you've treated. Um, so she's also reading a headline in the newspaper because people still read newspapers in 2004, I guess, uh, saying Catwoman toppled Hedare Empire, saved everyone. Ophelia gets a thank you for everything card. And Tom gets a big old card that's like, the day I died was the day I started living. My whole life I wanted someone to see what was special in me. You did, and for that you'll always have a place in my heart. But I needed to see it also. And then a bunch of stuff like, but your world is not my world. I need freedom, sorry. Yeah. Bye. And then we close on her walking the rooftops and cracking a whip, because that's the best way to be super sneaky while you're on patrol. Cracking whips everywhere. 
So I saw a deleted scene, by which I mean had the volume turned way down as a deleted scene was playing, that seemed to show that, I guess, in, in the previous cut that everyone saw and hated, maybe, yep. that Halle Berry and uh, Benjamin Bratt get together at the end. That would have been better. It made it, it would have made way more sense. Yeah, it felt weird that they didn't. Because then it's weird that you spent so much time on this relationship and they don't even wind up together. Because the relationship didn't do that much. No, and he could have turned otherwise. you in and he didn't. Yeah. I mean, I realize he arrested you once, but he could have said, well, yeah, she's still Catwoman, though. Yeah, she still did all of these other crimes. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, it wasn't just the movie that people didn't like. They also put a trailer uh, a rough cut trailer out a few months before um, the real trailer came out online, and everybody hated it so much that they recut a trailer with no dialogue. And that's really a bad indicator. Isn't that, isn't that terrible? That's worrisome. I mean, that's like that. This movie was just so bad across the board that people couldn't even watch the trailer for it. <laughs> I know. They were already like, nope. Yeah. I don't want any. Thank you. Okay, how much did this movie make? So the budget was a hundred million dollars. Okay, and it made eighty-two million. Ooh, that's rough. Yes, it lost a lot of money, and it is generally considered across the board to be one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, yeah, that checks out. He did not direct anything really after this. Yes, and this was a French director who's he's actually for most of his career was a visual effects supervisor. Yes, and he directed one French language film before this. Which also lost money. I'm like, why was he given this movie? I know, movie? right? It's almost like he was a terrible director. It's difficult to pin the blame on any one person, although I really feel like the director did not do a good job. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to say right off the bat, I blame the director for a lot of the weird decisions that were made. <laughs> but I think, like, script-wise, it's probably hard to know who to pin the blame on because, like, there's no way to know, for one thing, how much the studio was tinkering and stuff. Yeah. And there's also, there's three credited people that wrote it. Yeah, that's hard. But, well, one of them's a, 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 like a screenwriting duo. So, you know, it's really just like two versions. Was that covers one, two versions. Was the other one Bob Kane? No. You don't know how many other, like, you don't know what other input they had. Like, just because there were three writers that were credited don't mean it was only three writers that actually worked on it. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if they inherited a script that they like, started from scratch, but they were already influenced by this script is what the studio wanted. You don't know if the studio came in and tinkered with stuff. You don't know. I'd love to know what the first <laughs> version of this movie that came out was. Like, that would be amazing. But I think it's hard to pin blame on it. But, like, I also don't think you can completely absolve the writers of blame for this because there were a lot of baffling decisions that were made, including just some of the lines, like... If the cat had been holding pizza, my wife would have rescued it. I know. It's it's a weird movie overall. Well, thankfully, we never have to watch it again, and now neither do any of our listeners. Yes. So next up, we're going to do another another notoriously terrible movie, Van Helsing. Starring uh, Kate Beckinsale and Hugh Jackman. Yes. In his best role to date? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Everything else has just been downhill from, from then? Yeah, that's pretty sad. That's That must be hard for him to deal with. Yeah. Stephen King talks about that a lot. Really ruined his career. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, 
write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.